Good morning. This is Aya Wimala, and it is Sunday morning. Nice and sunny here, pretty clear sky, no, no overcast, no haze. So I hope you have beautiful weather where you are and it's not too hot and not flooding. We had a little bit of rain yesterday, but only for about 10 minutes. Um, but every bit helps. So we will sit today. I know there's a lot going on on Sunday, a lot going on at the temple, and I'm sure you have busy lives on Sunday. So let's read from Dhamma Everywhere. We'll read a little bit, and then we'll sit together so you can relax, and even when I'm reading, you can be, you can just be uh, preparing for meditation. That's one way to think of it. Just be relaxing, listening, and um, getting your mind into the right right state of mind. Any state of mind is fine for meditation, but if you want some. Uh, if you want some of these thoughts to be the objects of your meditation, you can do that as well. We're still in, in a nutshell, but we're talking about awareness becoming continuous. And that's the emphasis that Ashin Tejaniya or Sayadaw Utejaniya is always putting on the practice and the Buddhist teachings is living with that continuous state of awareness. So at any time, any, any object, any, anything that you make contact with, with your senses, can become something that you are paying attention to, being aware, being awake to. And he's reinforcing that, I think, with everything he says, that awareness plus wisdom. And wisdom is when we remember that we don't, it's not the object that we need to be uh, figuring out, right? The object creates a reaction within us. And then it's that reaction that we're paying attention to, that we're working with, whatever it is. So I'm on page 146. How do you sleep? Here, I'm not asking whether you sleep, I think I've read this, on your stomach, side, or back. I'm asking about your mind. Do you just let go of everything when you fall asleep? Are you thinking? Are you aware? I sometimes like to ask yogis or meditators what my teacher used to ask me. What is the last thing you were aware of before you fell asleep? Or what were you aware of as soon as you woke up? This is meant to show you how, should, how you should be practicing up to the moment you fall asleep and beginning again as soon as you wake up. It means that except for when you're asleep, every moment is a time for meditation. When you wake up, do you realize that you are awake? When do you first realize that you are awake? Do you really know at that time? Of course, yogis wake up, but they don't realize that they've woken up. 
Many people will just start to do things around the room without realizing that they're awake. Sati has not come in yet, and Sati is mindfulness. Some people may realize that they're awake but forget again. They only become aware once again when they arrive at the Dhamma Hall. So here's a suggestion. As soon as you wake up, don't start doing things just yet. Sayadaw Ujotika gave this idea to consciously breathe in for four or five minutes when waking up. The mind will become more alert. Make sure not to do it too softly or else you might fall asleep again. Then, with awareness, get up, walk, or do what you need to do. Whatever you are aware of is okay, so long as there is awareness. So that's a very good morning practice. Four or five minutes just breathing when you're waking up. Allowing and letting the mind become more alert. Awareness becoming continuous isn't like winning the lottery by chance. There are causes and conditions for this to happen. If you find that the momentum of awareness is no longer there, first accept everything is nature and this isn't just happening to you. Then check the causes. After many experiences of momentum going up and down, you will begin to see conditions in, in the mind that make awareness more continuous and conditions that will break momentum. People only become awake and alert when there is some sort of uh, discomfort or distress. They stop paying attention once they are comfortable again. Unfortunately, we can't just start practicing only when something goes wrong. That is why the Buddha left us with many notes on heedfulness and diligence, apamada. So that heedlessness and diligence is what we need all of the time. So when we're feeling great and we feel like we don't need to practice, that's when that uh, diligence, that heedfulness is really important. Usually by the time we are feeling really bad, then uh, we might be depressed or we might be sad or really angry. It becomes very hard to, to practice. We don't, because we don't have it, we haven't been heedful about it when things are good. We haven't been diligent with our practice, persistent. And it doesn't mean uh, not enjoying our life, but even when we're really enjoying life, our practice needs to be that, that continuous practice and awareness needs to be in operation. And I see that so much. People really hit a difficult patch in their lives and they, um, they, they can't practice because they haven't been practicing or they haven't, they haven't been persistent in their practice. The Buddha didn't urge us to be practicing all the time for nothing. It's because he knew about the full extent of moha 
that he left us that's this instruction. Just try stopping. Try to stop meditation for a while and you'll see the strength of the defilements. And moha is that delusion, ignorance. If this side of wisdom stops, a party of defilements will just come in and cover everything. Let me read that again because it's just so true. If this side of wisdom stops, and that's the the practice, our meditation practice, a party of defilements will just come in and cover everything. That's what I mean by not being able to pause. That's why I also say never give up. Either there is momentum on the wisdom side or there will be momentum on the defilement side. If you were to let go of this wisdom momentum even for a bit, it will take quite a lot to begin again. Beginning again is not that easy. That's why you can't let it stop. Imagine going all the way. Do you experience happiness and joyful interest when you are observing with awareness wisdom? If you are practicing Dhamma every time we are practicing, and here he's talking about his meditators at retreat, if we are practicing Dhamma every time we are practicing, there is mental and bodily happiness Insights can't arise in a mind meditating with mental or bodily discontent. So, that's very important, so I'm going to read those two sentences again. If we are practicing Dhamma, every time we are practicing, there is mental and bodily happiness. Insights can't arise in a mind meditating with mental or bodily discontent. It, because those, in, those aren't insights then, they, they are uh, thoughts that include defilements within them, so they're going to be uh, distorted. One yogi became really impressed by what she was able to see in just 15 minutes of continuous awareness. Most people are swimming or lost in thought most of the time, but it is really amazing what we can discover in just 15 to 20 minutes of continuous awareness. Try it for yourself and see. You may, you want to listen to my Dhamma talk, but you don't want to hear the birds chirping in the Dhamma hall. You think, wow, they're so loud. This talk is one sound and the birds are another sound. Someone with the right information will use any of these objects to develop sati, samadhi, and panya. So that's awareness, stability of mind, and wisdom. So someone with the right information will use any of these objects, either the talk or the birds, the noises in the Dhamma hall. They will use any of these objects to develop sati, samadhi, and panya in meditation. Another person without this kind of information 
will only grow in defilements because of these sounds, because they'll be irritated by the sounds or pulled away by certain sounds and become distracted by them. Instead of trying to figure out where sounds are coming from, acknowledge these sounds as objects. When you are aware of the sounds as objects, be aware of the mind that is knowing the sounds. What is that awareness aware of? It is aware of objects. You can stay on the side of awareness or see both the object and the knowing mind together. When people are going through mental or physical pain, they don't take interest or learn. They only want to escape the pain. If you have pain while sitting, see the mind that wants to alleviate this pain by shifting. Why is it reacting this way? When this reaction lessens, how does the mind then view the object? You need to study the mind. You need to study the mind's reaction to pain from different angles and observe the reactions and all their manifestations. How are thoughts and feelings related? Are what background ideas and underlying attitudes show up through faults? Thoughts. <laughs> Listen. I'm going to read that again. How are thoughts and feelings related? Or what background ideas and underlying attitudes show up through thoughts? If there's even the tiniest disliking to an object, the talking mind will change its tone of voice in that direction. You can really get to know this talking mind without trying to stop this talking or thinking you can see the mind's internal dialogue from morning until night. You are observing to understand the mind as it is, not to make anything disappear. When wisdom raises its head a little, defilements just hammer it back down. As soon as you figure out a little bit, the mind is already chattering. I know, I know. If you want to see the strength of this conditioning, just look at the habit pattern of the mind to say, I know, I know. When wisdom understands something, the thought, I know, follows very closely behind. So how can you actually use that wisdom? That's why I caution, don't look down on defilements. We don't know just how much they're at work. Wisdom will only have a chance by rising again and again. He, he, we read from his book, Don't Look Down at the Defilements. That's the title of one of his books, and it's just full of information about the defilements and what they look like. And, and those are just those mental uh, impurities. So those are those either uh, greedy thoughts or the uh, uh, aversive thoughts, angry thoughts, or thoughts that are just caught up in delusion. So defilements are the way our mind is uh, not being pure. 
So it makes it so much harder. The more we can purify our mind, which lets go of those defilements then, just the easier easier our path in life is. We're not fighting with that uh, mental, those mental issues all the time. Don't think too highly of yourself, which takes place more frequently, the times when there are understandings or realizations, or the times when there are no understandings or realizations. Awareness does not find solutions, only wisdom finds solutions. The work of awareness is to know what is happening. This alone can't stop strong defilements. Only wisdom is able to do that work. And that's why he calls it awareness wisdom, awareness plus wisdom. So we can be aware of a, say, a habit we're trying to change. We can be aware of it every time we slip into it, but that's not enough. That's rarely enough. Once in a while, awareness is enough, and then wisdom kicks in and we can, we can easily stop. But usually, we need wisdom to do the work. Moha, this is delusion, leaves the door open and all the defilements just walk through be a great cartoon. When the mind is either liking or disliking a certain object, it can no longer see the object as it is or as Dhamma. And this is, this is the Dhamma that's in everything, every object that we see. Uh, this, is the, this is the potential for us to learn about ourselves. So that's, that Dhamma can also mean Every, every phenomena, everything that we can take as a teacher out in the world, in nature. When the mind is, let's see, when the mind is either liking or disliking a certain object, it can no longer see the object as it is or as Dhamma or as a teacher. When the mind is motivated by greed, then the object becomes an object of greed. When the mind is motivated by anger or aversion, the object becomes an object of anger or of aversion. The mind can't observe or continue to be aware of this object as it is. It's like wearing blue-tinted glasses, whereby anything we look at through the glasses will be colored blue. As such, we can't see the natural characteristics of what we are looking at. That's why we need to first check our glasses or check how we are observing. And I'll just read one more. Uh, Dissatisfied with what someone was doing, one yogi asked, why does he do something this way? More important is to recognize why this yogi would ask such questions in the first place. Okay, one more little section because then we can sit. This might help with your sitting. There can be an understanding of anger or aversion as an object. When Dhammanupassana, with Chitanupassana, whatever is being observed, anger, for example, is the, act, is the object. 
When we say that there should not be defilements in the mind, we mean that there shouldn't be defilements in the observing mind. There is no way to stop defilements from happening in the mind of a worldling or one who has not yet experienced any of the stages of enlightenment. So until we begin uh, to, to become enlightened, where we're in one of the stages of enlightenment, uh, there'll be defilements. It takes, it takes quite a lot to get rid of all of the defilements. But the observing mind can be skillful and free of defilements when it knows how to observe with right attitude and without defilements in the observing mind. The mind is calm and cool. Wisdom then has a chance to open up. When the mind is calm and cool. So let's practice. We'll begin. We only have about five minutes together. So I might run over just a little bit, but whoops, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a technical mistake. Um, so let's practice. Now, I know your body's probably ready. So just observe the body breathing. You can close your eyes to cut out some of the visual distraction. Let's begin by just breathing in gratitude. Gratitude that we're here together and being with being with each other, practicing together. Filled with gratitude that the Dhamma and the teachings are so available to us. Gratitude for our loved ones, for our family members. Gratitude for those we love those we care about.
as we breathe in and out, observing the body breathing. Just be aware of everything in your environment coming to you through your sense doors. Any sounds, any sense of contact with your body, maybe of a breeze blowing on you. If you're outside, you may feel the hot sun. Be aware of any fragrances, any smells, any, anything you see, even through your closed eyes, or the colors you experience if your eyes are open or even shut, the taste in your mouth. Be aware if there are defilements present. Can you be viewing things without defilement? Just observing, just being aware. aware of these any defilements that come from greed or lust or that craving if they if they condition what you're observing if they're conditioning the object Be aware of any aversion or anger, if it's present.
And remember, if you have any of those feelings towards greed or towards aversion, that those are in the mind. They're not in the object. They're not in what you're observing. qualities of greed or aversion are within your mind, this mind, not in the object. So since our time is running out, why don't you shift back to just an awareness of your own body, moving from the top of your head down through your body, through your head. We're just going to scan the body, being aware of how, of what we're feeling, how we're feeling. Is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Through your head. And the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, these are just feeling tones in the body. Down through your neck, your shoulders, your arms, your hands. Back to your chest, down through the middle of your torso, down to your lower torso, in your pelvic area, your hips. Just generally, generally looking for that tone quality of either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Down into your upper legs, your lower legs, your feet and your toes. 
and just allow your focus to be on your body as a whole. Now may peace be with you, and I want to share the uh, this chant, this prayer. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. So thank you. We have Sutta study at 11 this morning, so if you're planning on joining us, I'll see you in a bit. That's on Zoom. Uh, thank you so much. I'll see you again on Tuesday, and hope you have a beautiful day, and keep practicing. So this, oh, it's this awareness plus our wisdom that helps us see the causes for our defilements and then we have the ability to work with them and we can we can drop them gradually gradually